We're continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark this morning, and we're in Mark chapter 4, just a few verses this morning, verses 21 through 23 of the Gospel of Mark. Let's give, once again, careful hearing to the reading of this portion of God's holy and inspired word. And he, that is Jesus, was saying to them, A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed. And anything, nor has anything been secret, that it would come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. That is God's word. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you again so much for the truth of your word. We thank you that we know it is the sure and solid foundation upon which we stand and build our lives and build the church. Thank you that we can trust it and know that every word is right. And we pray as we deal with this particular portion of your word, you would give us clear direction and insight and open it to our understanding. And we pray that you would be glorified in it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a general principle of life is that if you are not going forward, you're generally going backward. If you're not progressing, then you are regressing. It's very difficult to keep your life in neutral and maintain the same position. That's true in every area of life. For example, in the intellectual area, if you are not continuing to read and to learn and to study, not only will you not know more, but you're liable to forget some of what you've already learned. In the physical area, If you don't continue to exercise and try to improve your physical condition, not only will you not improve it, you'll likely find yourself in worse shape than you were before. In the social area, if you don't continue to try to reach out and make friends and spend time with people, not only will you not find that you have more friends, but you might actually find that you have less friends than you did before. Same holds true in your spiritual life. If you are not making progress spiritually, if you're not growing in your faith and your love for the Lord and your service to the church, then most likely you are losing ground. Folks, if we're not going forward spiritually, we're probably going backward. You know, some people call that backsliding. We don't make the progress we ought to make in our spiritual lives, but we slip behind where God wants us to be. It's impossible to remain in a neutral position spiritually. And so to prevent that, you need to be steadily moving forward, making progress to the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, there is no easy way to do that. Just as continue to grow intellectually and physically and spiritually or 
or socially requires some effort, some work, so growing spiritually does also. I wish I could tell you that it was easy. I wish I could tell you there was a spiritual elevator of some kind. That you could get on that elevator and punch at a particular level and it would just take you right to where you want to be spiritually. But I can't. I wish I could tell you there was some kind of uh, like spiritual or spiritual Rip Van Winkle nap that you could take. Just kind of go to sleep and wake up and there you would be. A spiritually mature person. But I can't. I wish I could tell you of some spiritual bank that existed. You could invest your faith and come back years later and withdraw it with interest and find that you had grown significantly, but I can't. You see, the only way to make progress in your spiritual life is by being diligent, diligent, and using the opportunities for spiritual growth that God gives to you. Now, sometimes that does involve some real effort. Sometimes it involves some hard work. Sometimes it involves some things that are rather tedious. But diligence in spiritual graces and spiritual duties always results in greater spiritual growth. And I would tell you, you will not experience greater spiritual growth without being diligent in the exercise of those spiritual graces and spiritual duties. And I think that's the point Jesus is making in our text this morning. Jesus is telling us two particular areas, I think, where we need to be diligent in the exercise of our spiritual duties so we can grow in our faith. Now, the context here, you kind of have to chop it up a little bit because we go from Sunday to Sunday, but Jesus has been teaching by the Sea of Galilee. Remember, there's this large crowd, huge crowd, pressing in around him. He had to get in a boat. Uh, and teach from the boat, and he preached that day in, in parables, and one of the parables, and the one recorded for us by Mark, was the parable of the sower. And after the crowd had left, and Jesus was alone with his disciples and some of his closest followers, they asked him, you know, what did that parable mean? Tell us about the parable. So Jesus told them about how the parables Primarily teach about the secret of the coming of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus here is kind of in that evening with his closest followers teaching them some spiritual truths. Notice in verse 21, we're told, and he was saying to them. Verse 24, and he was saying to them. Down to verse 26, and he was saying, Jesus is teaching these closest followers some of these important spiritual truths. And here again, I think Jesus gives us two specific areas where you're to be diligent in order to continue to grow spiritually and be used by him as you should. The first exhortation Jesus gives, I believe, is to be diligent in sharing what you know and what you've experienced in Christ with others. You see, it's not enough just to gain spiritual knowledge or to receive spiritual truth. You're not just to be a receiver, but a giver. Not just take what God gives, but also share what God has given. I want to think back for just a moment to the, the parable of last week, the parable of the sower. Remember, 
The sower went out to sow. He scattered the seed. It fell on four different kinds of soil. Some of the seed fell on the hard soil. Birds came and ate it. Some fell in the rocky soil where there wasn't much dirt, more rocks than dirt. And that seed germinated, grew quickly, but because there wasn't much dirt, couldn't get a good root system. When the sun came out, it beat down on those plants and they withered and died. Other seed fell among the thorny soil where there were thorn bushes already there and they choked out the growth of the plants that the farmer had sown. And, but there was some seed that fell on the good soil and it germinated and it grew and it flourished and it produced some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Now, the point Jesus made in the application to his disciples later was that believers represent the good soil. God has prepared our hearts. He has cultivated us so that when the seed of the word is sown in our hearts, it takes root and it grows and it bears spiritual fruit. And I think that is one of the key points of the parable is that those in whom the seed of the gospel is sown will indeed bear spiritual fruit. How do you know which soil is your life? How do you know if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you know if the seed of the word of God is really making a difference in you? It is by the fruit that you bear. You know, trees bear appropriate fruit, don't they? Orange trees produce oranges. Apple trees produce apples. Pear trees produce pears. And if you go to one of those trees and you don't see any oranges or any apples or any pears, you begin to wonder about those trees. So it is in the life of a present Christian. If you don't see the appropriate fruit in the life of a believer, you begin to wonder about the sincerity, the reality of that person's profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So just as a, a plant that grows to maturity cannot hide what it is by the fruit that it bears, so you as a Christian cannot hide what you are. It'll be clear. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit and the point is that your faith in Christ is not a private matter. Your faith in Christ is to be obvious to others. Your spiritual life and your spiritual growth are to be a means of encouragement and blessing to others. And that's what Jesus is exhorting us to here. In verse 21, the analogy Jesus uses is not that of a plant and fruit, but is is of a lamp and light. We looked at this analogy last month in December. You might remember when we uh, looked at the reasons why Jesus came, and one of the reasons was to bring light. And we saw there that Jesus is the Bible says the light of the world. But all we also saw that Jesus calls us to be the same. Jesus says, "You are the light of the world." You know, lamps were fueled by oil in those days. And we all know the purpose of a candle or a, of a light or a lamp 
is to give light. You don't light a lamp or light a candle and try to hide it. You don't, you know, light a, a, a lamp and then put it under a, a bed or in a closet where no one can see it. The purpose of lighting a lamp is so you can use it, so you can see by it. That's what Jesus says. A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it, or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? You see, if you are a Christian this morning, if you are a believer by the work of God's grace, then your life is not only to be like a fruitful plant. That was the parable of the sower. But your life is also to be like a shining lamp. Now, see, Jesus is just using different analogies to make the same spiritual point. Your life as a Christian ought to produce spiritual fruit. Your life as a Christian ought to show the light of Christ. God has not saved you to hide you off in a corner somewhere where you kind of do your own spiritual thing. God has saved you so that your light, the light of Christ might shine in you. Others might be able to see it, profit from it, benefit from it, grow from it, find direction from it, be encouraged by it, and be blessed by it. You know, when storms come through and our power goes off, maybe for a few days, we have to kind of get along by what we have, don't we? We have to light candles or use flashlights or some of us have oil lamps that we use. If you're in a situation like that and the lights are off and, and your neighbor doesn't have light, and you do, and they come to you, which one of you would refuse to share your light with them in that time of need? All of us would help them Give them what light that we had. Well, don't you see the point? There are people walking around right here in Meridian in a far greater darkness than any physical darkness we can imagine. They're walking in the darkness of spiritual death. And you see, you have the light. We have the light of Christ in us and our lives to shine so that others might see and be pointed to Christ and find the way. No. As individual believers and as a church, we're not to hide our light. We're not to sequester ourselves over here in this little corner of Windmill Drive, doing our own little spiritual thing. We're to let the light of Christ shine wherever we are. And that means wherever you are throughout the week, you let your light shine for Christ. That others might see, might know, they might understand, they might realize, they might grasp the truth of the gospel. Now, verse 22 speaks of things hidden being revealed, what is secret coming to light. Now, Bible does talk about our actions, what we do in secret, coming to light in the day of judgment. One day, even the secrets of our hearts will be revealed. But 
I don't think that's what Jesus is referring to here. I think the things that he refers to here of being hidden and done in secret are not what we do, but it's what God does. The context is us being the light of Christ. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit is done in secret. We don't know, Jesus says, where the Holy Spirit is going to come next, what it's going to do next, who it's going to impact next, just like the wind. What you see is the difference of it. What Jesus is saying here is that, I think he's talking about regeneration. Nothing is hidden except to be revealed. The, 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 the work that God did in your heart to bring you to salvation, to draw you to Christ, is to be revealed. Nor has anything been in secret. The work of the Holy Spirit in your life, but it would, it would what? It would come to light. God calls you to himself that you might bear a witness for him. And so the exhortation is be diligent to let your light shine. Be diligent to show the work of Christ in your heart by allowing others to see the illumination of the Lord Jesus in your life. Well, the second exhortation he gives in this passage is to be diligent to hear and to be careful what you hear. Verse 23, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He said the same thing back in verse 9 when he completed the parable of the sower. He said he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, it's obvious, isn't it, from what Jesus says there. There are some who have ears to hear. And there are some who don't. There are people who are spiritually deaf. Now, they, you, they can hear just fine when you talk to them. But when you begin to talk about spiritual things, it's like they just, they just can't hear. They don't understand. Now, that can be frustrating. You know, it's, it's frustrating to deal with someone who is losing their hearing. My wife thinks I'm losing mine sometimes. Because I'm always having to say, what? What? Can you repeat that? That's frustrating to someone. And folks, it can be frustrating. Talking to those who are spiritually deaf. Sharing the gospel with those whose hearts have not been prepared. There are those who are spiritually deaf. That's why some people respond to the gospel and some do not. The ability to hear the gospel, to hear the good news is a gift of God. The, the first step in conversion is being able to hear the truth of the gospel. Romans 10, Paul says, faith comes by what? hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so if you have an unbelieving friend or an unbelieving family member, you need to pray that God would give them ears to hear, enable them to hear the truth of the gospel. What do you need to pray for your children? You don't just need to pray they would come to Christ. You need to pray that God would open their ears, that they might be able to hear the truth and respond to it. 
The greatest evangelistic prayer you can pray is, Oh God, open their ears to hear the message of the gospel. We can't come to faith unless God gives us ears to hear. And Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, then you better hear. If God has given you ears to hear, then you better listen to what God says. His admonition again is, if you do have ears to hear, then hear what God says. You see, one of the indications of spiritual life is a desire for spiritual things. Those who know Christ want to know him better. They want to grow in their relationship with him. And that comes through a constant, regular exposure to the truth of God's word. Well, what does that mean? It means that you take every opportunity at your disposal to learn. And folks, this is where we learn. There ought to be a time in your life where you're engaged in some personal devotions. Sometimes we call it a quiet time. Folks, it's nothing more than a time where you take the Bible and you read it. I said earlier, you're not going to go forward unless you're making some effort at it. This is the basic effort that we must use that God has given to us. This is, this is the means of salvation and it's the means of sanctification. God has given us his word that we might grow by it. And so I would challenge you this morning, if you're not in some time of regular devotion, some time daily of spending time with God's word, that you do that. We're still in January. It's not too late. You can still make it a belated New Year's resolution if you want to resolve to spend time in God's word. If you've been given ears to hear, Jesus says, then you need to hear. But also, it, it tells us more, I think, about the importance of worship and regular attendance in the services of the church. The major portion of our service each Lord's Day is the sermon, the time we spend in God's Word. And why is that? Because the act of preaching is one of the primary ways God is given to communicate His truth to His people. In Romans 10, the passage I referred to earlier, Paul goes on to say, faith comes by hearing. But he also says, how will they call upon Him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in Him in whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Now I know this is going to sound very self-serving again. But the preaching of God's word is a very important spiritual exercise that impacts your spiritual growth. Preaching is important. The sitting under the preaching of God's word is an, ex is an extremely valuable part of your spiritual growth. Now, I've been doing this a long time. 
And it took me a long time. It's still taking me time to understand that. Sometimes I wonder, how is it? How is it that God can take what I say here and impact your life from it? How can God take what I say and and transform your heart as a result of it? And to be honest, sometimes when I go back and I've got tubs of sermons over there, when I go back and look through an old sermon, sometimes I think, how in the world did that accomplish anything? Sometimes I think, bless those people's hearts that they had to sit through that. But I realize it's not how I say it. It's that I say it. It's what I say. It is this, the truth. And I may not say it clearly. Look, I have no illusions of grandeur about my ability to preach. All I know is God can take the words that I speak and He can impact your life because this book is the means of change. It is the means of spiritual growth. That's why every time we we do this, what do we do first? We pray. We have a prayer. It's called the prayer of illumination. That God would illumine your hearts. He would open your ears to hear the truth of his word. And no matter how stumbling and fumbling and bumbling the presentation of it may be, that God would take the message of his word and use it to bring you closer to himself. Diligence. Folks, you've got to be diligent to spend time with God's Word, hearing God's Word to grow, as you should. Now, I've been talking a lot about diligence this morning, sermons about it. Being diligent to share what you know and experienced in Christ, being diligent to spend time in God's Word, but I don't want to give you the wrong impression. <clears throat> diligence is not enough. You just can't do enough. We don't do it to earn God's favor. We do it because we have received His favor. We are diligent so God will look with favor upon us. But we're diligent because He has. And we want more. So rest in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Make sure your faith is completely and only in Him. And be diligent. Let your light shine wherever God places you. Let your light shine. And be diligent to spend time in His Word, with His Word, under His Word, that you might grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for the truth of your Word. We pray your blessing upon this particular time in it, that you would take what has been said and use it in the lives of your people. Oh, Father, we don't understand it, but we believe it because your word declares it. 
that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. We pray that you would accomplish your word in us today. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.